Well, I am so glad you're here this morning. Um, and I, I, I've enjoyed the series. I, I love it when we just grab like a book and, and I get to study and, and, and just to kind of dig through and everything. And this was actually a really good week. Last week, if you were here, you know, it was kind of a rough week before. But this week was a really good week. Um, Universal actually had time to sit down and study and, and do all this stuff and, and think about, you know, what we'd be talking about this morning and everything. So I, I'm glad you're here, but I've got a question for you this morning. You don't have to answer. Um, but have you ever been known for something? Like you did something or, or you acted a certain way and then forever everybody knew you as that guy or that girl and everything. I mean, just, just think about it. I mean, my daughters, um, both of them, you know, they've said things. And for years we would just say, like, remember when you said this and everything? For, for me personally, in my family, um, I, I graduated high school in 1986. <coughs> Stop. Um, but um, I, I went to the University of South Florida for a couple of years, and I went there, and so one year, um, I remember, I think it was my second year, I got there, and everything, um, and every, everything was good, and, and I was like, I'm, I'm motivated to go to school, and I called home, and someone answered, someone else answered the phone, I'm like, who is this, and they're like, some person, I'm like, who, wait a minute, where's my mom and dad, and so what I found out is that my mom and dad moved without telling me, and for now and forevermore, every time there's a family gathering, it's like you're the guy that mom and dad left. <laughs> and that's what I'm known for at every family gathering. They just sold their house and they moved real quick. I called my sister and everything like, where's mom and dad? Where's mom and dad? And they just, they think it's the funniest joke in the world. I'm still traumatized and just a little bit bitter um, about it. But I mean, we do get known for stuff, don't we? We say something and we do something or, or, or we're part of something and then we get known for that. And so what I want you to be thinking about this morning is what are you known for? What do people know you for? And th that's what we're, we're going to kind of look at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter four. Um, and, and we're going to be looking at Peter and John and we're going to find out um, that there's something that especially if we are followers of Christ and stuff that we should definitely be known for um, this morning. So um, if you don't have a Bible, we have them available for you. You can borrow one. You can put your name in it and keep it. If you'd rather use an electronic device, um, a tablet or a phone, you can sign into our Wi-Fi GBC guest. Um, just type in find more all lower caps and you can follow along. Um, but as always and forever, these are the only words that matter. Um, that's, that's the favorite part of this, that I, I get to speak these words and talk these words because they're the only ones that make a difference. Uh, my words mean absolutely nothing. It, it's what God has to say. And so out of respect for the authority of this and, and belief in the power of it, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me this morning. As we read in God's word in Acts chapter 4, starting um, at verse 8. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they 
had been with Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity um, for us to come together. God, I thank you that um, you allow us to come together. God, you don't need me. You don't need me to preach. You don't need us to sing. Um, but you invite us into your presence. God, I thank you that we don't have to ask or beg for you to come and join us, that you were here before we even woke up this morning, and that you have something to say, you have something to do in our lives and in our hearts. So God, I pray and I ask this morning that these words would be your words, not mine. God, that you would give us ears to hear, give us hearts that would respond. God, and the courage to live it outside these walls. May we be different because we were here with you. So, God, we just ask, have your way this morning. Meet us where we're at. Move us to where we need to be. And may you get all the credit and all the glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, I said, I've been excited, and we've been going through Acts and, and, and doing all this. And if you were here last week, um, we, we told the story of, of Peter and John. They're walking in the temple, and there's the, there's the lame man that's been lame his entire life. He's down there, and they heal him. And everybody just goes crazy, and everybody's like, this is amazing, and, and, and all this stuff is happening. Um, but we're going to see that it wasn't about Peter. I think so often we make stuff about us. You know, we, we, we make it about, like, you know, how well I sing or how well I dress or what kind of job I have or anything. And when we look at all our value and all our purpose and everything built into what we can do. But that was not a signature. That was not kind of an element of the early church. It was not about these men, these guys that just common people. It was about Jesus and this morning I want to put to you that I think the only difference that makes us, the only thing that makes us different, the only thing that makes us stand out is Jesus. You know, I, 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 I've done youth ministry, and I did youth ministry for a number of years, and, and I just remember all the time, like, these kids would come up and like, hey, you like my new earring or my new tattoo and all this stuff, and, and look, and it's like, well, why'd you do that? It says, well, I just, I just, I want to stand out, you know, I, I want to be an individual. I'm like, then why do you look like everybody else in the group? <laughs> See, the truth is, is if you want to be an individual, if you want to be the person that you were supposed to be, that unique creation, that it takes Jesus to do that, not anything else that we do. And, and Jesus is always the difference. But as we're looking at this and we're going through Acts and we're looking at this story, I just want to back up a little bit because I think every day God gives us opportunities. And sometimes those opportunities lead to offenses. You know, I, I, we live in such a culture that says we don't want to offend anybody, and I don't see how that is ever possible, because somebody's always going to be offended. And so like I, like I told you, right before this, Peter and John were walking in, they see a lame man, and they look at him, silver and gold I don't have, but what we do, we give you, in the name of Jesus, walk. And he gets up, and he walks, he not only walks, he dances, and he praises God, and all of a sudden there's this big crowd that opens up and this big group that comes in and they start listening and Peter's able to give another sermon, another powerful message. And I encourage you to read it um, at the end of chapter three. And so and I think the point is, is that when we obey God in even the small things, it opens up for bigger things. I think too often we're looking for the bigger things. 
We're looking for the great big splash and stuff like that, where it's all about just being obedient to where we're at right at that moment. And whatever God has called us to do and whatever he's asked to do, when we're obedient, it opens up new opportunities. It opens bigger opportunities. And so that's exactly what happened. All these people came up and were like, well, something amazing happened. We want to hear about this. And, and, and they came in a big crowd. And then we pick up the story at verse 1 in chapter 4. It says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came, up, came upon them. Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Once again, just preaching truth, and God just moved. But notice that they were being obedient. God opened up a greater opportunity. And it caused them a problem. <laughs> Somebody didn't like what they were saying. I, I think so often we get so worried about what we're saying or what we're doing that we're going to offend somebody or we're going to hurt somebody's feelings that we're like, well, it's better not. It's better just not to say anything. What's really interesting to me is it's the Sadducees that get mad. Sadducees, it's not they don't have any political power. They're just kind of another like sect, a group in, in the Jewish in the Jewish um, faith right then and everything. And, and they get mad because, by the way, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees are the group. In fact, if you read the Gospels, you don't really hear a lot about the Sadducees until the, towards the end of the Gospels. Which is really interesting to me is that the Pharisees are the one that actually condemned Jesus. But in the early church, it's the Pharisees that are best friends or the closest friends and the closest allies, really, a lot of times for the early church. It's the Sadducees because they're preaching the resurrection. They're saying Jesus rose again. The Sadducees say, no, that, that can't be because we don't believe all that. And can I tell you something? You can tell anybody on this planet all day long that Jesus died. No one has a problem until you tell them he rose again. It's still the same today. See, because here's the problem. If Jesus actually rose again, then he was who he said he was. He did what he said he was going to do. And we have to admit he was who he said he was. See, outside the resurrection, all this is useless. Paul even talks about later on, if, it's the, if we don't have the resurrection, we preach in vain. That coming together is in vain. It's the resurrection that changed everything. It's the resurrection that set the new covenant in order. It's the resurrection that gave power and hope to the church and opened it up to the whole world. It's the resurrection that says that Jesus, like, I did what I was supposed to do and it was enough. And so they're angry because Peter and John are preaching that Jesus not only died for your sins, but he rose again. I can swallow everything else, but I can't swallow that because as soon as I understand that Jesus rose again, I have to admit that he's the only way. Every other religious story, every other religious belief on this planet does not have their leader rising again. Their tombs are still full. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said, I'm going to prove it and I'm going to show it to you. Because I'm going to rise again. So what we do is we follow a faith. If you know Christ this morning, if you're in a relationship with him, we follow a God that's alive. That is active. 
it's not a dead faith. It, it's not. I think Time Magazine years ago said God is dead. That was the highlight of their big thing on the front of their magazine. God is dead. If you want to live the way you want to live, if you want to do what you want to do and you want to do everything your way, then yes, for you, God has to be dead. But if we want to live God's way, if we want to live in freedom, it's the resurrection. And so understand this when I tell you, go tell your story. Go share what God has done in your life. Go, go do that. That is our growth plan. Is that everybody goes and tells their story that there are going to be people that are going to look at you and say, you're nuts, you're crazy, they're going to be offended, they're going to get mad. It's okay. Jesus said, if the world hates me, I promise you it's going to hate you too. The problem is, is there's too many people going to church that the world really just doesn't care about them anymore because they're not doing anything. They're not offended anybody. Jesus Christ was probably one of the most offensive people on this planet that ever lived because he just spoke truth. And the truth is not what we want to hear, it's what we need to hear. And we don't always like it. And so here's, here's Peter and John, you know, they take the opportunity to go on. They take the opportunity to, 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 to expand the influence to every opportunity that God gives us. I, I just, I wonder how many days do we miss opportunities that God gives us that would open up to even bigger opportunities, to greater opportunities. I mean, we're always talking about like, man, I want to see the world change. And, and I believe this with all my heart that four corners, the state of Florida, the United States, the whole world can be changed, but only by one thing, and that's the gospel. I don't think there's any governmental organization. I don't think there's any AIDS organization. I don't think there's any group that can come in that's going to change the world for the better, except those who carry the gospel with them. Because it's the only thing that changes the heart. You can feed somebody, you can train somebody, but if you don't deal with the heart, then it's all for, it's all for nothing. And so God gives us opportunities, but understand those opportunities are not always going to open up doors of like happy people going like, oh, you want to talk to me about Jesus? Great. Most of the time not, because none of us want to admit we need a Savior, even though that's our common ground. No one wants to admit, I can't fix my own self, I can't, I can't do my own self, I can't, I can't do what I want to do and, and everything, that my way may lead to like bondage and everything. No one, no one wants to admit that. But that's the message that's been given to us. That's the message we must tell and carry on and, and do. And so, yes, there's, there's opportunities, but, but I love that, that Peter goes on and stuff and, and you look at Peter and say well that's Peter I mean he was like the head of the church early church and and he did all this stuff but by what power does he do this where, where's your authority and stuff and I think so often that's where we get struggled we struggle with that well, that's where like well how can I do this I mean I've literally talked to people says well it's not my job you're a pastor you you share the gospel those missionaries they go do it but I, I don't want to do any of that because I don't have authority but yes we do it's all of us together. And I love that Peter, immediately when they look at him, look at verse 7. It says, they brought him in and the rulers the next day and they start questioning him. The high priest is there, Annas and Caiaphas and John, and, and they're talking to him. And, and verse 7 says, and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? I mean, if you are doing something that's going to make a difference on this planet, someone's going to ask you, like, how are you doing this? 
How are you making it? How, how, are, you, how are you getting by on this? You know, as, as followers of Christ, we should be able to follow through. No matter what happens on this planet, we should still be able to stand in peace and enjoy and all those things that we talk about all the time that we are just indwelled in, those fruits of the Spirit. By the way, those aren't extra like gifts. Those are the immediately happen, that fruit, that peace, that love, that joy, that long-suffering. All that immediately comes in us when we accept Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells us. We have all that we need to live that life. And so people should be looking at us and say, how do you do this? By what authority do you do this? And so my question for us this morning again is, on whose name are you relying on? To make a difference. Is it yours? I mean, I, I, I feel blessed and honored and privileged that I come from a heritage of pastors and missionaries and people going to church for generations. I'm a fifth generation Floridian. Take a picture. There's not many of us left. <laughs> We're on the endangered species list. But all that heritage backed on. And so I stand upon the shoulders of pastors and, and people that have gone before me and everything. And that's, that's awesome. But if that's the name I rely on, then I'm not going to do much. Because it's not about my power. It's not about my authority because I have none. Too often I think we try to live out our faith and we try to live what God has called us to do in our own strength. No wonder we get exhausted so quickly. This is hard stuff, y'all. It's, it's, it's not easy to go upstream against everything else. It's not easy to go against the culture. It's not easy always to live these things. It's, it's hard for us and it's exhausting for us, but it's not done by our power. What we've seen all through Acts is that God, when Jesus came, he promised the Holy Spirit. He filled the people. The people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's by that power. You and I aren't strong enough to live the life that God has called us to live. We're not. Any pastor gets up and says, yeah, it should be all rosy and good. Throw something at him because he's lying because you can't do it on yourself. You can't, but you, the good news is, is you don't have to. It was foretold long ago back, back in Zechariah. Look at this. In Zechariah 4, 6, and then it says, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. If you are living your faith and trying to live your faith under your own power, you're exhausted. Listen, I know this personally, because there are weeks where I'm sitting here like, I've got a pastor, and I've got to do this, and I'm doing my strength. And my wife always tells me, Honey, they see the stress on your face. They see the tiredness on your face. And you, you know when that's happening? is when I'm trying to do it myself. I am so limited in my power and in my strength. But you and I have a resource that is unlimited in everything that they can do. God's spirit, there's, there's not an off switch. There's not like, okay, I need to recharge. God never looks at us when we're praying and saying, God, would you just move in our community? Would you move in my family? Would you move in my life? He's like, All right, wait a minute, guys, I need a break. But I think we think that because that's what we feel, don't we? God, I'm so tired. I'm doing everything you're trying to tell me to do. I'm so tired. 
That's why it says in the Bible, it says, you know, when we trust in him that we will mount up like eagles, we will we will run and not grow weary. Listen, being tired is one thing. Being weary, I think, is sin. Because when we're weary, we're relying on us and ourselves. When we have an unlimited source of power. And that's what Peter was saying here. He's like, listen, it's it's not by my power. It, it, it's by the spirit that fills me. And it was obvious to them. Look at verse 8. Look what Peter says. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers of the people and elders. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By this, by him, this man is standing before you well. See, he, he, he said, it, it's the Holy Spirit in me. I didn't do anything. I just spoke what Jesus told me to speak. I just did what I was supposed to do. And when we do stuff, if we're not pointing back to Jesus, then we're not doing anything for Jesus. And there, there are a ton of churches that are filled with thousands of people, and they are doing awesome work, and I pray for them every single week. But if they are not pointing to Jesus, then all they are are a social gathering, and they are not the church that God created. Which means whether it's 25 or 2,500, it doesn't matter. If we are pointing to Jesus, then we are his church, and he gets the credit and he gets the glory. You ever notice I pray that all the time? Because I'm really nervous that someone's going to look at me and say, wow, you've done a great job. Because I like to hear that stuff. I love it. I love it. I'm a people pleaser. Most pastors are. We like it. When you get mad at me, I sit there and go like, what I do? I just, um, can I make it better? And I get worried. But if it's all about Jesus, then it doesn't matter. All we have to do is be obedient and trust the outcome to him. It's, it, it's by his power. And, and I love that if we point back to Jesus, Jesus promised that he would help them. Here's these guys. Now think about it. Here's Peter. We just saw the story. He denied Jesus three times. They all ran away. They all hid. And then all of a sudden the resurrection happened and everything changes. And Jesus promised them that he's going to help you. And so if you're sitting here going like, this is awesome, but I don't know what I would say if somebody asked me by what power, by what authority. I don't know what I would do. I don't know what to say. God, Jesus says, I'm going to help you with that. In fact, that's what he promised in Luke 12. And he says, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Because I love that Jesus takes away every excuse for us not to share the gospel. But Jesus, I don't know what to say. That's all right, I'll tell you. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know how to make opportunities. That's all right, I'll open the door for you. All you have to do is be obedient. All you have to do is say yes, whatever it is. I met a young man last week. Well, I've known him. He's on security with me at Universal and stuff. Great kid. He was. Um, he just moved from Venezuela. He actually was a captain in the Venezuelan army. And when Venezuela went like crazy stupid and was doing stuff, he fled the country. 
and he's taking political asylum here. Like they're like calling his family saying, where's the traitor? Where is he? We want him and everything. This is a kid that had everything going for him in Venezuela. He moved here. He has nothing. And two weeks ago, I was sitting there just talking to him. He's a really smart, really bright kid, loves Jesus. And I found out like, you don't have a bed. He doesn't have a bed. What's he sleeping on? He's like, I blow up a mattress every single day in his broken English. I, I blow it up. I'm like, you know what? I've got a queen-size bed that's in a barn. You want it? And so he drove over. I gave it to him. And I'm not trying to, like, make myself look good. We just gave it to him. It wasn't being used. And, and he's, it's an old bed. But he's happy. He doesn't have to blow up a mattress and everything. And so I was sitting there, and so I started talking to people. And I'm like, man, this is horrible like that. He says, oh, you don't understand. There's like a bunch of people like that work here that live in their cars. They're homeless. There's a bunch of people that work here that, that you know, this kid, this kid puts $25 away a week for food. How many of us eat on $25 a week? And so I went to a manager and says, what can we do? And so we're working on Universal starting a chaplaincy corps where we can start serving. I says, listen, I know 100 different churches in the Greater Atlanta Baptist Association. Everybody wants to deal with Disney, but I don't think anybody thinks about you guys at Universal. What can we do? See, all it takes is for us to be obedient in one place. And then God says, okay, let me open the door for a little bit more. Let me open the door for a little bit more. And you don't have to know what to say. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to, like, memorize all of Scripture and do all that stuff. All that stuff is good things. And, and if you are able to do that, memorize Scripture and do all that stuff. But you don't have to do that because Jesus said, listen, when the time comes and the opportunity arises, I'll tell you and I'll show you what to do. Just trust me. Stop trusting yourself. And so Peter and John, who ran away who didn't know what to say or what to do at the moment when Jesus was there, all of a sudden, with boldness, proclaimed, this is about Jesus. Those guys are no different from you and I. There's nothing special, by the way, about any of these people that we read about in Scripture. We, we always sit there and go like, oh, but look at David, look at that. Get, all right, who's murdered somebody? No one? You're, you're better off than David. You're, you're actually doing better than him. Right. Who's like lied and told someone else and tried to give your wife away and made believe like they were your sister? You're better than Abraham. <laughs> How many of you have stood out in a public square and like, I don't know Jesus, three times really loud. You're better than Peter. You're doing better. There's no difference between these people. There's no. It's just they knew where their power came from. And if we know where our power comes from, there is nothing that we can't accomplish. Whether you live here or live somewhere else, there's nothing we can't accomplish through that. So we're promised the power and we're promised the thing. But the truth is, in, 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 in all of it, it's that Jesus is the difference maker. Jesus is the difference maker. It's not us. It's not how smart we are or how rich you are or what kind of programs we have as a church or what kind of facilities, all that stuff. It's Jesus that makes a difference. Look at verse 13. I love this. It says, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized they had been with Jesus. Remember I asked you at the beginning of service, what are you known for? 
Does people, do people look at you and recognize that you have been with Jesus, that there's a difference in your life? Do people see that there's something different in you that, that they can't explain, they can't put their finger on, but they know there's something different because you have been with Jesus? Look at these guys. Before they ran away, when they were shaking their swords and they were taking Jesus away, they ran away and they hid. In fact, they hid in an upper room. They were so afraid. And every time the door knocked, they're like, oh, is it them coming? And now they had boldness to stand right in the middle of the temple, right in the place where they, they judged and they sent Christ to his death to stand there. It says, it is Jesus that does all this. He rose again. You know, we have boldness now. Before, look at it. They were uneducated. They had no special training. In this culture, this time, the way education kind of worked, that like you went all the way up until like you were 13, you hit your bar mitzvah, your bar mitzvah, and everything. And by that time, you had memorized pretty much the entire Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And they would test you. And they would look at you, and if you were above all that, and you were doing good, and you were like, wow, they really know it, we're going to move you to the next. And then you move to, to like the Psalms, and the Proverbs, and, and the Prophets, and everything. And then they would test you again, if you were really, really good, and you were the best of the best of the best. Then a teacher would come along, a rabbi, and says, hey, come follow me. It was the dream of every Jewish family. Back then, for their child to be chosen as rabbi. When Jesus found his disciples, what were they doing? Fishing with their dad. Doing the trade that they were brought over, which means they were passed over all that time. See, I, I think we, we get in this idea that, man, I need, I need special, I need evangelism training, which I agree, we do. And we need to learn and practice and do all that stuff. But really, all we need to do is tell what God's done in our lives. I need to go to seminary, and I got to get a master's and a doctor degree, and every other letter past my name, and then I can then I can really then I can make a difference. No, there's no special training. There's just the Holy Spirit. That's all we need. That's all we need. They were common men. They had no pedigree. They weren't royal. They weren't in the line of any priest or any stuff. They were just common people. But when they looked at them, they said they recognized and they knew for sure that they had been with Jesus. Can I ask you, does anybody know that you've been with Jesus? Because it makes all the difference. Jesus is the difference. We can't do this outside of that. You can't live your faith. If you're trying to fix your own life and do it, well, good luck. You're going to get frustrated. It's going to be hard and things are going to turn out because I know for a fact that we either do things God's way, it leads to freedom, or we do it our way and it leads to imprisonment, leads to bondage. And the difference between those is Jesus. It's always been and always will be. See, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to make some dangerous choices. You know, they look at them. They, they look at them and they're like, okay, they're with Jesus. But, man, they're causing a problem. We don't want this to grow. We, we don't do this thing. And so they look at them for this first time. And we'll, we'll read um, in the coming weeks and stuff that they, the persecution got stronger. It got harder. But so they kind of threatened them. 
You know, they came together and had a meeting. Verse 17 says, but in order that it may spread no further, let's warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Don't say anything else. By the way, we're in a culture today that is very offended by the name Jesus. You can say any name of any other religious leader on the planet, but as soon as you say Jesus, people get offended. They're like, hey, it's okay. You can talk about whatever you want. Just don't talk about him. Have you noticed that? In all of Great Britain right now, it's not a law, but it might as well be, is that they're like, you can live your faith, you can do your faith, just don't tell anybody about it. We, we have friends that have lost jobs that have been almost like banished out of entire cities, just like, go away. You can talk about anything about Jesus. And by the way, that's happening in our culture right now, too. More and more it's happening in our culture. And so you and I are going to have some, some dangerous choices. They didn't know what to do to, with them. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't speak against them. The man was healed. Everybody knew that he was lame. And they're like, well, he's healed. This is true. But, okay, just don't talk about it anymore. And I love how they respond. In verse 19. After they warn him, and it says, but Peter and John answer them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. hear that i don't care what you say to us i don't care law and we're going to be respectful and we're going to follow the laws of the land we're going to do all this but you decide whether it's better for us to listen to you or to listen to god and each of us have to make that choice is it better to listen to god or is it better to listen to the government or listen to the laws or listen to the the sound of culture is it better to whatever my surroundings is if they're like just don't talk about jesus is it better for me not to do that or to listen and be obedient to god i remember i talked to a manager at universal and we've been talking about that i said you know i just want to help people i just want to be here like that he's like well that's great you're a christian there's a few of us here but you know you can't you can't really talk about it here i'm like well unfortunately i already have <laughs> because they know i'm a pastor and they come and talk to me and I'm going to keep doing that as long as they keep talking to me and asking questions. See, I, I wonder when we as a church got to the point where we could choose not to speak about Jesus. I mean, how can we not share what he's done for us? How can we not share what he's doing for us? The sacrifice of love. How can, how can we hold that in? Like, I'm pretty good at keeping secrets, but then that one I can't keep. How can we hold that in? Can't keep silent, even if the law, even if they come down and say, whatever you preach, pastor, that may be considered hate speech. Well, then I'm thickening up my wrist, so I have calluses there. Take me away, because how can I not speak? How can you not speak? That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. And it's a dangerous choice, I'm telling you. And it's going to become more dangerous as time goes on. It, it's coming. And so now we have to make the choice, am I going to be bold? Am I going to speak? Am I going to stand up and say, I, I don't care what you do to me? You know what Roman says? You know? There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. It doesn't matter what they do. If they take my life one day, 
I'm with Jesus. They leave my life, I'm still with Jesus, and I'm talking about him. It doesn't matter. They can't do anything to us to change. Because, by the way, this ain't my home. This isn't my final destination. So why would I care if they kicked me out of here? It's a dangerous choice, and, 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 and we've got to make it, and we've got to stand, and it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can, we can accomplish it. I love that later on, here's, here's Peter and John. They've been threatened. They've been told. And what do they go? They go back and they pray. In verse 29, it says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. God, let me never be ashamed. Let me never be afraid. Let me never be silent. By the way, every single one of those apostles, except one, was martyred. One of them was boiled in oil, but he survived, and then he ended up on the island of Patmos, and we have the great book of Revelation now. No wonder Jesus said, count the cost to follow me. I just want you to know that your faith may cost you everything, jobs, friends, even your life. Is it worth it? Because the world wants to know, is it worth it? The world wants to know if this truly is worth it. I love what Paul says later on. He just spells it out in Romans 1.16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. And that was the mark of the early church, and that needs to be the mark of the church today. I'm not telling you to go out and like hit people with like large Bibles and just go and start yelling at everyone. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Don't do that because that's not your job to judge who's going to hell and who doesn't go. That's God's job. Side. But what I am saying is we can't be ashamed of the gospel. Jesus did not. At one time was he ashamed hanging on that cross for us. Not one time when they stripped him and they beat him. They did all that stuff to him. Not one time ashamed because you and I were on his heart. You and I, every moment, every single name of every single person was on his heart. He says, I will do this because, God, not my will, your will be done. And so I'm not going to be ashamed. And the world is waiting for a church and for people of Christ that say, I'm a follower of God to stand up and look different than everybody else and not be ashamed. And say, I know this may offend you. This may hurt your feelings, but here's the truth. And we're going to say it in love. And we're going to live it out in love. And we're going to serve you. And we're going to do this. And we're not going to judge. But this is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to Father but by me. I am not ashamed. And I think when the churches do that, the world changes. Whether it's 25 or 2,500 people, the world will change. But they have to know we've been with Jesus. Hudson Taylor, one of my favorite missionaries of all time, says this. God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. Listen, I understand it's exhausting sometimes to follow. It's exhausting to try to live this out and do this and just say, I don't know the words to say. I don't know what to do. And God's like, that's fine. Just lean on me. Don't do it under your own power. Don't do it under your strength. Do it because you have been with Jesus. 
And let the world see that, and it will change everything. That's what we're called to do. That's the church we're called to be. That's the life we're commanded to live. And that's how that story continues on through us. Listen, I know I can look on your faces and you probably look on mine. I'm tired. You know, it's summer. School's almost out. If you're a teacher, I, I look at my wife every week and she's like, a couple more weeks, a couple more weeks. It's exhausting. But it's worth it. We make a difference when people know that we've been with Jesus. You know, it's that old poem, you know, uh, people love it. It's on paintings and it's on t-shirts and everything. That those moments I'm walking on the beach with Jesus and they see four foot friends and then sometimes he sees two. And to, I like the poem. It's kind of cheesy to me. But the idea that there are moments in our life when like, God, I have no strength to be obedient. I have no strength to tell someone. I have no strength to do that. Jesus is like, here, let me help you and I'll carry you through it. So you don't have to rely on you. You and I are limited. We have an unlimited source. Which means the 25 of us can change the world. If they know we've been with Jesus. What are you known for? This morning I just want to give us a chance to respond to this. Um, I want to give us a chance just to see wh wherever God's meant you. Maybe for you this morning it's, it's the idea like, you know, I've never made that decision. I've never asked Jesus into my life. I've never like given myself to him and surrendered with that. And maybe this morning like I want to start that. I want to be, be part of something bigger than myself. And so we want to give you a chance to do that. Maybe you just sat here and you are tired and you're weary and just worn down. You're like, God, I'm so tired. And God's just saying, well, then lean on me. Be obedient. Maybe you're saying, God, I, I want those opportunities. And God's going to give you that little one. And then he's going to open up to a bigger one and a bigger one and stuff. But God, give me the strength to be obedient. Whatever it is this morning, don't leave here with unfinished business. I hate that we go to church and then we're like, we leave and says, man, I wish I would have done something about that. Or I talked to God about that. Not that you have to be in church to do that, but let's get it done today. If you want to remember what Christ has done, we have our prayer area. You can always go back there and you can pray. If you feel like God's asking you, like, are you going to trust me for your finances? Are you going to trust me that I have a better plan? Our offering in our tithe box, we do that out of response of worship, not, not out of guilt. Because I don't think God needs any of our money. But whatever it is, let's finish the job today. And then let's get busy showing the world that we've been with Jesus. Because I tell you what, that's the best growth plan any church could have. It's the only growth plan any church can have. Because I'm telling you, my heart is I don't want a church of people from other churches. Not when there are thousands and tens of thousands of people that don't know them right outside our doors. And the only way they're going to know them is they see them in us. And the only way they're going to see him in us is if we know him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning.
God, I thank you that while we were yet sinners, you died for us, Jesus, that you came. You lived, you died, and then you rose again, that we follow a God that's not dead, that is still alive and active and still reaching people. God, may we be a people that it's obvious that we've been with you. God, I pray this morning that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, if there's anyone here that's never surrendered their life to you, God, that that new life, that new beginning would start today, that they would just simply pray, God, I know I'm a sinner. I've done things my way. I want to do them your way from now on. Jesus, you came, you died for me, and you rose again. Forgive me. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Make me different. God, for those of us that are tired because we've been doing it under our own strength, God, would you just whisper to us once again just to lean on you, to trust in you, to rely on you for everything. God, would you give us opportunities to speak, to live, and to act out your gospel in front of everyone. So God, whatever needs to happen this morning, let it happen. We give you this time. Just have your way. Change us, God. It's in Jesus' name. If you're willing and able, will you stand with us as we sing together?